everybody. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We thank God for our praise team. Amen. Thank God for all of you. You know, it's just good to look out there and, uh, and see how all of you love the Lord. I'm telling you, we might be few, but I'm telling you, there is a passion here for God and for the Lord. And the anointing is strong here today. I don't know if you felt it, but the, you know, the Holy Spirit is not something or someone you can see. But his effects are visible. <laughs> the anointing is a tangible thing, and uh, it's strong here today. His healing power is definitely present. He wants to make some people whole today. Amen. 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 So just receive it. Just sit right where you're at and receive it. That's all you got to do. There's nothing, nothing you can do to earn it. Just receive it by faith. Amen. Praise the Lord. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. That's Psalm 100, the fourth verse. You know, we are really learning about giving thanks to God and the power of it. Amen. I've been preaching on it enough and I'm going to I'm going to beat that horse a little bit more today because it's Thanksgiving. <laughs> In September of 1620, the Pilgrims left Plymouth Rock in England, and a couple of months later, a little over two months later, they arrived at Plymouth Rock. That's where they did the Mayflower Compact, and there was 102 passengers on that journey. They were convinced, they were Christians, they were convinced that it was divine providence that would bring them here. They did arrive unprepared late November in Massachusetts. You can imagine what they met. Harsh winter situation. Over half of them died that winter. And, uh, but they were thankful anyway, nonetheless. They were thankful. They had a, when they got here, they had a prayer service. They signed that Mayflower Compact, which introduced the self-government journey was filled with uncertainty and peril, but it offered both civil and religious liberty, which is what they were after. Something this country is in jeopardy of losing, to be frankly frank with you, even, uh, even though it has, is at, it's at the core of our foundations and Christian values and doctrines which founded this country at the center of the very strategies and the content of our own constitution and Declaration of Independence. It's important that we're aware of these things as Christians because we're going to have to begin to stand up and talk about the things that we're for. Um, you know, the world thinks that Christians are haters and uh, <clears throat> they're deceived, but the fact is we don't even really necessarily have to talk about the things that we dislike or even ever say that we hate anything if Christians would just stand up and begin to talk about the things that they do believe in. There would be power and unity will come from it and there are going to have to be some great Christian leaders in this nation to bring the church out, <coughs> out of their closets. Amen? Because bad things are happening to those who are just... Uh, complacent and uh, ignore things you know that's one of the the dangers of the blessings that God has bestowed upon us is that we tend to just 
to sit on our hands when things are going wrong. And I'm telling you, they're going wrong. Um, people's minds are wrong. They have to be retaught. We need to start with our children. We need to start teaching people the Christian uh, values again, which is what the founders of this country said, that the, the only way this democracy would ever work is if, if it were run by godly men who believed in this book right here, because without it, they said it would, it would, it would go away and astray quickly, and that's what can happen if we're not careful. Amen? But we believe that God is still in control and on the throne, and, uh, and if we, uh, with our help, how many of you know that God won't do anything without us? We can't do anything without Him, but He won't do anything without us. We are His hands and feet here in this world. We are the light of this world because Jesus is with the Father. Amen? <laughs> in 1789... You know, those early Christians had Thanksgiving all the way from even before those, those arrived at, uh, at uh, Plymouth Rock. Starting in like 1607, there was uh, settlers in Virginia celebrating some form of Thanksgiving. But all the way escalating out, or, or fast forward to 1789, I'll just tell you a little story. You know how I love history. I've told you probably some of this before, but forgive me. Redundancy is good with God. Amen? Yep. In 1789, following a proclamation issued by George Washington, America celebrated its first day of thanksgiving to God under its new constitution. That same year, the uh, Protestant Episcopal Church, which Link, uh, Washington was a member of, announced that the first Thursday in November would become its regular day for giving thanks. And... Uh, I've told you before that women love this, but much of the credit for the adoption of the later annual National Thanksgiving Day can be attributed to a lady named Mrs. Sarah Joseph Hale. She was editor of uh, Gaudy's Ladies Book, and for 30 years she petitioned president after president after president trying to get this Thanksgiving intact. In and, um, <clears throat> and then President Abraham Lincoln in 1863 responded and he set aside the last Thursday of November as the National Day of Thanksgiving, which is where we celebrate it now. And over the next 75 years, presidents followed Lincoln's precedent, annually declaring a National Thanksgiving Day. Then in 1941, Congress permanently established the fourth Thursday of each November as a national holiday. This is something that I really love. I love Lincoln. When I, uh, I Once I had his whole collection of of writings and letters and everything. But his original 1863 Thanksgiving proclamation, <clears throat> which I've read, it's quite lengthy. It came, spiritually speaking, at a very pivotal point in his life. During the first week of July of that year, of 1863, remember the Battle of Gettysburg happened. And I don't know if you realize the magnitude of that awful battle, but 60,000 American lives were lost. 60,000 in a battle. Four months later, in November, Lincoln delivered the, the Gettysburg Address. I memorized that at one time. I still know portions of it. I drive my wife crazy with it sometimes. And it was while Lincoln was... She's, she's so wise. She didn't say anything. It was while Lincoln was walking amongst those thousands of graves at Gettysburg that 
he committed his life to Christ. Praise This is what he said to a friend. He said, when I left Springfield, he reminds me of me because he went through life kind of being a Christian but wasn't. He said, when I left Springfield <clears throat> to assume the presidency, I asked the people to pray for me. I was not a Christian. When I buried my son, the severest trial of my life, I was not a Christian. But when I went to Gettysburg and saw the graves of thousands of our soldiers, I then and there consecrated myself to Christ. As Americans celebrate Thanksgiving each year, we hope that we will retain the original gratefulness of God. Amen. And these pilgrims and these early Americans, they, they set some things in place. And we need not to ever stray away from these values and traditions that are so valuable and precious in God's sight. So I hope you will remember that this year. Because I was reflecting, you know, how do we really see Thanksgiving <laughs> You know, I, I hope that most of us are very thankful to God, but it should be a day spent in prayer and, and thankfulness, to thoughtfulness to God at least. Um, I know that many of us are busy on that day, but you can, you can walk and talk and be uh, thoughtful and mindful of God the whole while. Uh, yeah. um, and so we need to be mindful of that instead of just enjoying the blessings that He's given us. And never really giving thought to the blessor, amen? We don't want to be found in that number, and we know that that is the majority, unfortunately. Um, thankfulness to God, it may be the most important thing in the Christian life. The problem with most Christians is that they see the Christian life as, well, not much of a life at all. And... We we struggle when we when we find ourselves in a what we think is a boring Christianity. People will tend to struggle to keep one foot in their salvation and one foot in the world, you know, where it's fun. Still, you know, nothing could be further from the truth. In reality, is my point. But to enjoy the Christian life. And how amazing and fun and exciting and adventurous it is. It requires that Christ be at the center of that life. And this is where most Christians are, are lacking, if we're honest. In other words, we need to be full of God and not just full of ourselves. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you that one of the greatest tools for staying full full of God, which is what we, we need, Amen. staying full of God, of His love, of His peace, of His blessings and provision, one of the greatest tools to attain this is to thank Him, is to praise Him. He does inhabit the praise of His people. Praise God. So, But it's just good that we give thanks and we acknowledge God in every situation and that's kind of our spiritual thermometer. It's kind of the point here today. It, it's maybe the greatest indicator of where we are in our relationship with the Lord. I told you earlier, you know, you check your check your uh, bank accounts and your checkbook because that's an indicator too. But that is an indication of how we feel about the Lord just as, just as equally, you know, because it, it shows where our heart is, where our treasure is. And if we're giving him credit and thanks, it, it knows that we know who the provider of these 
wonderful things are. I love the story, and again, I, I tell you all the same things over again, but Matthew Henry, which most pastors have a copy of his commentary or refer to it from time to time, I know I do, uh, on the Bible, but he was a great preacher in the old days. And uh, one time he was traveling to preach, and he would have probably been you know, by himself on a horse, and he was robbed. And uh, and people wouldn't think that this is the greatest circumstance in which to give thanks, but it was for him. He did, and he wrote in his memoirs. He said, "I'm thankful that during these years I have never been robbed before. Also, even though they took my money, they did not take my life. All they took, although they took all I had, it was not much. Finally, I am grateful that I." Was it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. So I want to encourage. I really want to challenge every one of you to to practice this. To find something in every situation to give thanks for, because there always is. And um, and I know that it's it, it can be hard, but but I'm telling you, the the alternative is is very counterproductive. When we complain and grumble, it doesn't help anything. And spiritually, it really brings more of the same. So I just want to encourage everyone to always try to find the good and to give God thanks for something no matter what's going on in your life. And I know it can be troubling and bad, but uh, there's a reward for being thankful. Romans one twenty one talks about a kind of a progression away from God, and it has thankfulness all wrapped up in it. It says, for although they knew God, and in Romans 1, if you're familiar with it, everyone, he says, knows God at some point. Because he makes himself known to them. But he says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him or esteem him or magnify him, as I always say. They did not honor him as God or give him thanks. This is step two away. You stop esteeming and honoring him. You will stop being thankful toward him. But they became futile in their thinking or in their vain, in their imagination. He said this is the same as we use our imaginations for, for vanity and bad, evil things. And we also use it, this is where your Christian hope is placed and comes from. The pictures that you see, they're either godly and positive, and this is hope. This is where your imagination is godly and not ungodly or vain. And their foolish hearts were darkened. This is the condition of those who have hardened their hearts to God and, and, and how they did it, basically. Progression, like I said, away from God. When we refuse to honor Him or esteem God and His wonderful blessings, when we stop being thankful, when our imaginations are only self-serving, then we become foolish, we lacking God in our lives, and our hearts become hardened. And this is the place where I believe people can actually go too far and never come back. And if you believe, if you don't believe that, just read the book of Hebrews, and you'll see what I'm talking about there. But it's a choice. God doesn't take your salvation away. You can willingly give it up, though. And you will do this by simply waxing so cold to God that you, re, you, you get to the place where you cannot hear him anymore. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks. In everything. So God is God not aware that bad things happen to good people? Of course he is. But he says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Many things can reveal us as being unthankful. An attitude of ingratitude, as it were. 
what are some of the things that bring some of these things out? The trials of, of our life, you know, they put just add pressure, I say. You know, you really want to see where someone's at. Take them out of their protected environment and just add a little pressure. And these trials of life, loss, confrontation, even things which are seemingly good, like wealth and, and, and success, are sometimes uh, things that can bring these things out, this attitude of unthankfulness. And sometimes we just forget. We just forget to remember God and His goodness. Forgetfulness, the cares of this world, uh, pride, self-sufficiency, the list of challenges goes on and on and on. I have scriptures that describe an unthankful heart due to each one of these things, but I'm not going to go into those. And again, we know that life can be very difficult. And, and it's easy, you know, when people want to encourage us, when we're going through something, just to look at them and go, yeah, right, you know, you, it's easy for you to say. But trust me, you need to surround yourself with godly people who can see clearly even when you can't, that will point you back to Jesus and His Word, because in there, in His promises, lie the provision. And it's what we say. It's what we say is what we're going to have. Amen? Once ten lepers called out to Jesus to be healed, he told them all, go show yourselves to the, the priest. And as they went, they were all healed, weren't they? One turned back to give thanks to Jesus. The other nine just went on their way. But you know, like I said before, I don't think they were all really unthankful or ungrateful. Uh, they were simply preoccupied with themselves. Their desires to go be with who they wanted to be, to be where they wanted to be. And because of it, they neglected to express their gratitude to the one responsible for their well-being. And that's what happens with us many times, whether we realize it, I think, or not. And so it's good to see these examples here because we can kind of challenge ourselves and check ourselves. Relatively few people who receive God's goodness ever go back and thank the Lord, though. I know this. And, uh, and it's good that I see all of you being thankful and loving on the Lord the way you do because that's where, that's, that's where your relationship with Him grows. And even when we're unthankful, you see it doesn't keep the Lord from doing good. He causes His reign to, to fall on the just and the unjust. He's good to everyone, hoping that his goodness will bring repentance in their life and that they will come to know him and give him the credit for all the good things he's done and, and take the free gift of salvation that he's offered and paid for, died for. He healed all ten of those lepers, but it's important to remember that only one was made whole. Isn't that right? Luke 17 is where, where uh, the, the main account of this that I like to, to minister from and in the 19th verse, we see that one came back and he said, your faith has made you whole. And that word sozo is more than just physical healing. That one was healed spirit, soul, and body. He received his salvation and probably got all his body parts back. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm very confident that that was what took place. If he was missing any. <laughs> but the fact is, he, the word that he used for the, other, for the ten... Initially, when they were healed, it's different than the word that he used when he said, when he told the other one that your faith has made you well. It's a sozo, that word that I've ministered on before, which is an all-inclusive well-being and, and, and provision from God 
So he was completely restored and saved. Remember all my teachings on spirit, soul, and body. Hopefully by now, after two years, you should realize, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.23, that we are a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. And this is where a great deal of the church, people sitting all around this country this morning, they do not get proper education on who they are in God and what they are or have and what they can do because there's no power being expressed to them. They don't understand the power that is theirs in Christ because they don't understand their salvation. So it's important that we know these things because the Lord desires for us to prosper spirit, soul, and body. He proves that in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 and also in 3 John verse 2 and where he says, uh, Beloved, it is, I, I, I wish above all things that you be in good health and prosper even as your soul prospers. So he wants us to be complete amen thankfulness to the lord for who he is and and all he's done is like our spiritual thermometer is what i was saying a while ago the amount of time we spend thanking and praising god is a great indicator of where we are in our relationship with him how many of you begin your day by giving thanks to god and praising him taking time out for him putting him first giving him the first fruits of that day if not, then we don't really understand what God has done for us through Jesus. I'll be honest. <laughs> I never forget last year, uh, Tavana compared us to the, the Christmas turkey that they pardon at the White House every year. That's what she said, you know, we're like that. Christians are like that Christmas turkey that they pardon every year. I said, you're exactly right. We were on death row, and and the Lord provided. <laughs> but one of the many benefits of Thanksgiving and praise is that they keep us from being self-centered, and this is a big problem. Focused on ourselves is a bad place to be. Self-centeredness will cause problems all the days of our lives. If we don't get it under control, we are supposed to die to self. That's the whole purpose of this life and become more like Christ. Amen. But only if you allow it. Proverbs 23, 7 has a lot to do with how you see yourself and understanding this salvation is, is, is pertinent. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if I see myself as as powerful and redeemed and free from bondage and, and everything else, then that's what I will become. More and more as I come into agreement with this word, I become more and more like Jesus Christ, don't I? That's, that's the whole point of being here, is that we are being conformed into his image day by day, glory to glory, faith to faith. Amen? Amen. As a born-again Christian... We have power to change our thinking. So like I said, Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We can change this thinking. That's what we're called to do is renew our minds through the washing of the water of the word. That's where our soul is coming along. Our spirits are already redeemed and perfected and sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, incorruptible for all time. Now our souls are coming into agreement with God, our mind, our will, our emotions. And then this old vehicle will just follow suit. You see, two against one. Our soul and our spirit come into agreement with what God says. This body will do whatever it's told. Just a vehicle. But it's important that we understand and that we look 
in, in, our, in our relationship, in our prayer life, and when we're just getting real, as we call it, how do you see God? When I say Father God, picture Him right now, I wonder if we could just crack these things open, it would be amazing what we could see. But I think a lot of people see our Father as, as I don't know, I, you know, a lot of people, I think we see Him as an old man, you know, and I, I don't believe that's, that's true. I mean, he's, he's ancient, as Chris said, but He's not old, you know, He's young. And He's not angry. This is important. I think a lot of times it has to do with how our fathers were and what we think of fathers in general because it's the only natural example we have. And unfortunately, I mean, look around. We do not have, you know, families are broken. And uh, we do not have godly men leading every household. We do not have them taking up their identity as the priest of that household as they should. And we get... We thank God for strong Christian women, but men are supposed to be running these homes and families and serving their wives and families just like Christ served the church, amen? And they would have a better example. People would be able to see what a real father is supposed to be. I was never, I was not that father. I did not know how to be a father. Jesus had to teach me how to be a man well after I was already a grown man and had failed miserably. But I thank God that he is prepared to do that for anyone who will come to him. I don't care what age they are. He'll make you into the man that he created you to be. Woman too. Amen. The Lord is concerned about our physical needs. But he wants us to be complete. To be sozo. To be whole. So he's more concerned about our eternal needs. Like I said, all these lepers, they needed physical healing. They got it. But he really desired for all of them to be complete, to be saved. And only one of them was. And it was his choice because he's the one that decided to go back, to take time to go back and give thanks to the one who was responsible. One of the benefits, as I said, to being thankful is to get our minds off of ourselves and to get it on the Lord. And so when I ask you, how do you see God? It's important because... Sometimes I think people can purposely put their minds on God because that's what we're telling you to do. Put your minds on God, mind on God. And if you're putting it on the wrong God, if you're imagining Him as someone who's angry with you, condemning you, if you step out of line, He's going to get you, then quit thinking about Him. Because I need to teach you who He is. God is love and He is light and He... He wants nothing but good for you. He thinks nothing but good about you. And if you're thinking of him as somebody who's out to get you, if you step out of line, you don't need to be thinking about that God because that's a God of your imagination, frankly, anyway. He's not the real God. The real God is awesome. He loves you. And he'll do anything for you. He already has. <laughs> so nevertheless, we want to be mindful of God, but when we say that, we want you mindful of His love, of His provision, of His promises, of all the th of the grace of God, which has been provided by Jesus through the atonement. You think on those things, you're going to grow and prosper in every area. Amen? Praising God builds your faith, runs off the devil, ministers to God Himself. Remember when Paul and Silas were beaten and thrown into that dungeon and at midnight they were chained and beaten and very uncomfortable. They had to be. But they were singing, praising God. 
not to get anything from God. This is probably how they were. They put their mind on God, took it off of their situation and circumstances and pain. And next thing you know, earthquake came. The chains fell off and the prison doors opened for everybody in the prison. And none of them left. Not a single one left the prison. The guard comes running. He's going to kill himself because in the Roman centurions and army they would have killed him had they gotten away on his watch he said hold on don't hurt yourself we're not we're not going anywhere we're just chilling we're praising worshiping god and we got a bunch of converts in here that that centurion got saved that night his whole family did that roman centurion because of what he had seen there through the positive power and the ministry of praise and worship and thankfulness to god amen praise the lord I'm just, I don't even know where I'm at. Praise God. That's okay, though. That's okay. I got 8,000 scriptures here. I'll talk about one or two more. <laughs> but we want our hearts to be open up to God. And, and as our faith is strengthened, we'll be able to receive all the help that God has for us. And praise and worship is a powerful part of this. And Thanksgiving, I'm incorporating all that together. Because when you're praising Him, you're thanking Him. We want to glorify God. We want to be thankful and have a godly imagination. This will help us to be to remain sensitive to God, which is one of the keys to our relationship and to receiving. Stay sensitive to God and His promptings, just like Ashley's talking about. He always brings me back. How could He bring you back if you weren't listening, if you couldn't hear Him? That means when she gets off course, when she loses her peace, and I... I talk to Ashley all the time. I've watched her struggles and I've watched her successes and, and she's one of my encouragers. But I'm telling you, I watch her and I watch her I watch her get mad at the devil and I watch her receive her course corrections and I watch her respond to God. And that is that's all any of us can ever hope to accomplish. The Christian life is like this, a shot to heaven. We just shot in that direction and we're going to make course corrections every 10 minutes for the rest of our lives. Amen. But if we're, if we're sensitive to God, he's faithful to make those corrections for us continually. We need to stay plugged in so that he's allowed to accomplish those things in our lives. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. His mercy endureth Forever. Way to go, Oriana. That's how we have to see God. Give thanks to the Lord. And it tells us why. For He is good. And it say because He's angry and if you don't, He's going to get you? No. It says because he's, just because He's good. He is love. He is light. His mercy endures forever. So that's a good cause to give Him thanks. Not out of fear of not giving him thanks, but just because I just can't help myself. When they were praising and worshiping God earlier, Tavana said, I feel like taking off running. It's just because she's so sensitive to God. And something about someone who loves God, when everybody else starts loving on him, it just makes us so happy. Because we always want what's good for him. I mean, how many of you feel like that? I just want what's good for Jesus. I just want you to yeah. love Jesus. I want you to know Jesus because he's the one that can help you. And it's yeah. just wonderful to be amongst others who are doing the same. It's just a supernatural thing. And believe me, he's aware too. The angels are happy. The ugly ones are run off. And the, the good ones, yeah, right. they, they camp around about. You ought to see the ones standing on each side of me, right? You wouldn't yeah. mess with me if you could see them. I guarantee it. 
But God loves us, and he's made provision for every area of our lives. And the way to tap in to this amazing provision that he's already provided is through thanks. I want to show you one of the little pitfalls, because I think it's not that just we're unthankful, just like I said about the, the lepers. I don't think they just were just bad people, but they, they certainly didn't go far enough as the one did to go back and physically give thanks, and they missed out because of it, didn't they? In Exodus, the 15th chapter, after Moses and the Israelites fled from Egypt, the Egyptian army chased after them to kill them, didn't they? Let them go, and then the devil kept whispering to Pharaoh, and he decided to go get them back. He should have left them alone. But they chased them and came up behind them where at the Red Sea. And they had them trapped. It looked terrible. But God miraculously parted the Red Sea. He allowed the Hebrews to pass through on dry ground. He heaped up the water on both sides. And the Egyptian army followed after them, pursuing them into the sea. But when all the Israelites or the Hebrews got to the other side, what, what did he do? God let go of the waters. And the Egyptian army was drowned along with Pharaoh in the Red Sea. I told you to turn to the 15th chapter of Exodus because the whole chapter gives praise and thanks to God for his mighty works and for delivering Israel from their enemies. Thanks for his protection, for all the amazing things he had done. They did the right thing here, didn't they? It's called the Song of Moses. The first and second verse, I'll just read a couple of these. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. They're doing the right thing there. They're recalling, recounting all of his wonderful deeds, and they're verbalizing these things. Go down to the 20th verse. It says, Then Miriam, this is Moses' sister, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, also the sister of Moses, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. So Moses starts, they start saying this song, and, and then Miriam, she takes all the ladies, and she goes, and she, she starts dancing and singing. She's teaching them to confess all God's victories and his wonderful deeds. She takes the tambourine, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. It's really important that we rehearse our victories. Why would you say, why would I say that, that it's important to rehearse our past victories with God so that the current and future battles will not seem so difficult? Our past victories will remind us of God's faithfulness. We'll be able to stand firm in faith no matter what trials come our way in the future or in the present, you see. So this is a main thing. That's why throughout the Old Testament, you see he told them to put up markers, to put up landmarks. Every time God did something great, they would stack some stones up or they'd dig a well, they'd do something, and they'd call it by the name of what he did there or something like that to cause them to remember God's faithfulness and goodness and how he had worked powerfully in their lives, right? We should do the same thing. 
Always be reminding ourselves. Write these things down. Write your prayers down. And then go back and mark them all off. Check, check, check. You'll be amazed at this. This is something I know many, many people have done this. It's always yes and amen. The promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. I know people who've got tablets that high and every one of them is yes and amen. I'm just saying it's the truth and it's not because they wrote it down, but that's what helps them to be mindful of his his provision in their life and his faithfulness. So it's really important to rehearse our victories. The 22nd verse, and we're almost done. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea. Okay, so they came across the Red Sea. He had done mighty miracles in Egypt. We know that. And then he brought them across the Red Sea, which is even more amazing. And he saved them and destroyed this army behind them, right? So, my goodness, they had just seen a bunch of really amazing miracles that God had performed to get them out of bondage and then to protect them and to lead them, right? So then Moses, in the 22nd verse, made Israel set out from the Red Sea. And they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? These people continually did this. I don't know. You've read the book, but I remind you, they grumbled and complained about everything. And God got so mad at them because what they were doing was they were forgetting all the things he had done. And every time they got into a pinch, they thought God was going to kill them. Or they thought he had abandoned them. They thought he wasn't going to provide. And they started grumbling, complaining. They want to kill Moses. They want to go back to bondage. It's a picture of our salvation. Don't look back. This is what they were doing. Three days after this amazing thing, he took the ocean and piled it up. And then they were complaining three days later because they didn't have anything to drink. And he cried to the Lord and showed him a log and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule. I think you were singing about this earlier. And there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statute, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. This is the first place in the word where God named himself as our healer. Anything God has ever called himself or any names of God. I've got a book that's called The Names of God and it's so anointed you can feel it when you touch it. All of his names, that's what he does. That's who he is in your life. Amen. Then they came to Elam. There were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees and they encamped there by the water. Psalm 78, 41 says, Yeah, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. The King James is the only one that says they limited the Holy One of Israel by their grumbling and complaining and doubt and unbelief. You see, we can actually limit God. I know there are lots of churches, and unfortunately there still are, that haven't come, come along far enough, but they don't believe. They think that God is sovereign, period. And while God is the alpha male, He can do anything he is so holy and good that he holds himself accountable to his own word. And he has given us power in this world. We are the ones with the power. He has given it to us. When Jesus left, he gave everything he had, including his power and authority, to those few disciples. And now they have turned the world upside down. And here you are today. But you are the ones. You are the one. You have power. And you can limit God. If we can limit God, we can also what? Empower Him. That sounds silly, but it's the truth. That's what your faith is for. 
That's what the grace has already provided. It's not you who are doing it. You are the, the ambassador. You are the one who's been given care. You are the steward. It doesn't mean you're anything special. Without God, you're nothing. But you are his child, and he's given you this authority. And so now without you, he can't do anything. And this is what the church needs to learn so that they can teach people correctly so that we can walk in more power and victory in this life because we really need to know what has been provided for us through the atonement. Amen? So these, these, these Israelites, what had they done? They had set up remembrance songs. They were dancing and, and songs in their heart. They talked it up, his victories. They, they built each other up. They gave glory and credit to God and thanks. But then situation and circumstances just a few days later changed their testimony. Here's where I think we find ourselves most times. And we don't want this to be our testimony. We need to praise him at all times. I think we can get into situations where things are good and he does good things for us. And we, yeah, we turn right to him. We give him thanks. We give him glory. We tell everybody, look what God has done. Praise God. And then something bad happens. And we say, well, he just, he abandoned me. I don't know. I'm going to grumble, I'm going to complain, I'm going to tell everybody this terrible thing I'm going through. When only three days later, yes, he did provide a major miracle in my life. But I don't know why, but all of a sudden I've decided because this bad thing came that uh, apparently he doesn't love me anymore. And he's just not good to me anymore. That's what we're saying by not saying anything at all or by complaining, I think. And I just want to challenge us all not to not just be thankful in the in the good times. And, and when he does the good things, because he's always doing good things. But when, when it's evident that he has blessed us and the miracles happens and, and when the, the healing is manifest, don't wait till then to be thankful. Let's, let's do it all the time. Amen. I want to challenge everybody too. I challenged you before to try to be thankful and find something to be thankful for in every situation. But I want to challenge you on the other side of that coin also. This goes with it. In other words, it's one of those, what they call when they pass a bill, they attach a bunch of other things to it. Uh, it's a rider or a, a man. Yeah, yeah, they go together, okay? So be thankful in every situation, but I want to challenge you also not to use words like I hate or I don't like. Look, don't state the obvious. We don't, we don't have to say those things. We don't have to tell everybody what we don't like. Find the good thing that you do like about this person. Don't tell everybody all the things you don't like. Don't tell everybody everything on the menu you don't like. Just find the thing that you like and talk about that. And give God the glory for it and the praise. Amen? This is a challenge for all of us. I know I'm, I'm right there too. So this is a good one. I think when I see you two weeks from now, we're going to have a bunch of testimonies about this very thing and how it released God's provision in, in your life. Amen? Amen. So I only got 8,000 more scriptures here. But I think we'll just we'll just we'll just pass this on to the next to the next message. But I just want to I want to remind you that Jesus is our greatest example of thankfulness. And I, I to draw some of those things to your memory while you're remembering to be thankful is that Jesus is the one who spoke everything into existence, didn't he? He's the one that placed the planets in space, and he. He's the one that holds everything together by his word and his power. He is the bread of life. Yet in his ministry, he was thankful for his daily bread. And he taught us to be, remember, 
He took seven loaves and the fish. Remember, Ashley, we were talking about the other day. He thanked God for them, didn't he? He was God himself, but he also remembered how important it was to give thanks. And then he broke that bread and he never stopped dishing it out until thousands and thousands were served, didn't he? There's powerful, supernatural things that come to pass when we give God the thanks. And he was thankful for the wisdom God gave to the simple. And so we can all receive right there at least. He's the one that moves mountains and he thunders through the heavens. And when he returns, he will be as a conquering king and not a suffering savior. But he was thankful. He was thankful to God just for answering his prayers. Just for answering his prayers. Isn't that what he said? Remember when he was at the grave, uh, the tomb of Lazarus? He said, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? So they rolled away the stone. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. Thank you for hearing me. And then he even said something even better. He said, you always hear me. You always hear me. I said that for their sake. I said that for their sake so that the people standing here will believe you sent me. He was our Passover lamb. Yet at the Passover feast, before he went to be on that cross for us, he gave thanks for that very meal that was representative of his own body. And he knew it. And he gave thanks. And then he took the bread and he blessed it. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. That's Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do. Lord, we thank you. Come on, young Chris. We thank you, Father, for loving us so much, for speaking to us. We thank you for your precious anointing. We thank you that you are the God who heals and that you have a great desire that we be healed physically, spiritually, emotionally, and that is readily available for all who will ask and, and give thanks. We thank you for preparing our hearts to have an attitude of gratitude with thankfulness as we head into this Thanksgiving week. Let us remember that we are ambassadors here for your love and light. And let us be beacons of that light and love and thankfulness as we go. Knowing, Lord, that you are always with us and for us and that your love and protection and grace surround us as a shield. Did we say thank you, Father? We just want to thank you. And if we didn't thank you enough, we just want to thank you again. Thank you for everything. I, I've just gotten to the place. I just say thank you for everything, Lord. <laughs> I know you love me, Lord. I want you to please, Lord, for this Thanksgiving. I want you to give each one of these here and all who will ever hear this message, whether on iTunes or the podcast or SoundCloud or in the future, CD, whatever, Lord, just anoint this message and give everyone a supernatural revelation of your love for them and help them to see you as this amazing provider who has everything they will ever need at their disposal and glad to give it so that they can thank you and not be afraid of you, Lord, and learn to love you and to walk with you in agreement to receive from you which is part of our responsibility as Christians to use our faith to receive to continue letting you serve us and through us while we're here help us to have greater revelation knowledge of the things that we do have in you who we are in Christ 
so that we can help others to walk in this victory, to share in your love, to know you as we do. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.